It's Thursday Finance, and today I'm joined by Barry Preston and by Stephen Pritchard, and we'll also be hearing from Henry Jennings with our market snapshot a little later on in the day. We'll take a look at uh, Centrelink and the latest in provisions that they have too and requirements when we talk to Mandy Barton a little later on. That's Thursday Finance coming your way on 2NURFM. It's the Box Tops on 2NURFM 14 past 12, Thursday Finance for our sponsor Pritchard and Partners. And Barry Preston, it's time to take a look at commodities. It certainly is. And uh, this week, gold is a little bit weaker. It's down $26 Australian per ounce to 1390 Silver, very stable, 19.14 cents an ounce. Sorry, $19.41 an ounce. Silver hasn't changed that much. There's rumours and stories I've been reading that uh, silver could again start to rise because there could be a shortage on the London Metal Exchange. That's an interesting place, the London Metal Exchange. Anyone want to know and have a look at that? LME.com. Have a look at all your commodities in there. LME.com. Copper is up $139 or 1.8%. Two percent to seven thousand seven hundred and fifty-six. Nickel, a big jump there, two hundred and thirty-four dollars to seventeen thousand four hundred and eighty-four. <clears throat> Pardon me. Tin up two hundred and sixty-two dollars per ton to twenty-two thousand four hundred and thirty-two. Also, nickel. They're predicting that there's going to be a huge shortage in nickel next year because uh, something to do with China looking at uh, sort of using the consumer, spending more in the consumer area, which will mean more stainless steel. Well, let's hope anyway. That'll be good for Australia. The currencies. Our currency has strengthened against all the currencies this week. The US dollar is equivalent to 87.99 or about mm, point, not quite half a cent above what it was last week. The 
Um, <coughs> pardon me, the uh, British pence, uh, 54.94, slightly ahead also. The Chinese yuan renminbi, 5.377 to the Australian dollar. And the New Zealand dollar, $1.12.55. That's ahead, not yet, not just a little bit above a half a percent. The euro, 69.64, that also is approximately half a percent ahead. And the Canadian dollar, 98.43, very stable to what it was last week. The world's markets, let's first of all have a look at the Australian All Ordinaries Index, 5,431, it closed at uh, yesterday, which is up 57 points for the week, or 1%. The USA Dow, 3.3% uh, ahead to 16,974, or 512 points ahead. The NASDAQ is 4,549, or 3.8% ahead. That's 166 points to what it was uh, last week. The UK FTSE, it's up 54 points to 6,453. And unfortunately, the Hong Kong and uh, the markets is dropped off. So we'll have to get that fixed up. Sorry about that, uh, everybody. Dropped off as mm. in disappeared. Disappeared off <laughs> From my view. figures. Yeah, have to have a look <laughs> at that Still there, one. though. Okay, let's have a look at the oil. The West Texas Intermediate is 93.45 Australian or 1.87% above. That's uh, about a dollar seventy-two above to what it was last week. Good news, our tapas is down 19 cents, would you believe, to 101.99. Now, that has had a little bit of an effect on our uh, unleaded price. Newcastle is approximately, in, or in a lot of cases, 149.9. Some other places you'll find it cheaper. Sorry, 145.6. That's good, 145.6, because the central coast is 149.1. Now, it wasn't that long ago that we were way above the central coast. Hmm. What's changed? Don't answer that, Jane, because 100, 149.1 on the central coast at the moment. And Sydney, 141.1. That could have been a big glitch last week when I said 154.2. That was on the website. But, yeah, uh, yeah, no, no, they did go up. I remember 13 cents that. difference over the week. Now, that's unusual, isn't it? Yeah. Diesel, the central coast, 151.6. That's down half a cent. And Newcastle, 152.2. We're still more expensive than the central coast on that. Why? I have no idea. And Sydney, diesel 148.2. And, of course, if you're travelling around the countryside, Goulburn, 140.6. Don't go near Tumut. That's 163.2. That's the most expensive in the state. Of course, Grafton, we're nearly at parity with Grafton now at 145.9. And Orange, 148.6. Now, it's interesting. Who will get under $1.40 a litre? It's very close. <laughs> Tumut, uh, sorry, not Tumut, but um, uh, Goulburn's 140.6. I wonder will they get Ooh. under 140. We'll watch that space, eh? Absolutely. And then it'll be us next. Well, and I hope so. <laughs> that's our look at commodities, Barry <laughs> Preston. Thanks for that. Uh, this is Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and & Partners. And uh, coming up this hour, we will also take a look at Centrelink and what's happening there with Mandy Barton. We will also look at what's changing in the super front as of next year and we'll have next our market snapshot with Henry Jennings on 2NURFM.
We're getting our exercise with Fats Domino on 2NURFM 23 past 12. This is Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners, and time for our market snapshot as Henry Jennings is going to join Barry Preston. And I believe the New South... How are you, Henry? I'm good, thanks, Barry. How are you? Well, thank you. I believe the New South Wales Treasurer is jumping up and down and he's very happy because of the budget stamp duty. It's a bit of a bonanza, I believe. What's happening here? Well, I think we've all seen the uh, the massive uh, increase in, in house prices, especially in uh, the inner suburbs of Sydney and the uh, inner west. Um, and this has proved to be an absolute bonanza for the New South Wales government because they charge and they clip the ticket on every time you buy and you sell um, a property, pretty much. So, um, yeah, they're, they're doing all right out of this and they're, they're pretty happy with the way it's going. I heard something like 1.2 billion surplus or something. That's uh, pretty good. Yeah, it? they were looking at a small deficit. Now they've got a, a massive surplus. I wonder what they're going to do with it. Probably give no, it to I'm the sure Euro. Let, let's help the oh. Eurozone out. Yes, yeah. I'm mm-hmm. sure they'll do something useful with it. I, I believe there's going to be a bit of a discount with all the Grange Hermitage. Tra- <laughs> what's her name? Treasury Wines are selling them down. Well, yeah, I mean, Treasury Wines seem to be, uh, they're talking about it to, to veteran liquor stores. So obviously they've selected a few sort of um, nice customers that are going to receive some some cheap Penfolds uh, Grange. Um, whether it will be cheap to customers remains to be seen, but certainly uh, the bottle shops that uh, have been chosen will be getting some. So I, I would I would hop down to your local bottle shop and, uh, and, and order your bottle of Grange for a discount price. Well, let's hope they keep all the barriers in, uh, because I'm a barrier. I might get a Grange. No, anyway, yes. that's another story. We won't go, we go down there. What happened to vocation shares? They headed south very quickly. What happened there? They did, and they haven't stopped heading south. They're actually down another eight uh, percent today. They dropped like an absolute rock uh, the other day on, on news. Uh, the Victorian government has uh, has been uh, investigating them and has got uh, got them to give nineteen million dollars back over uh, over some funding that they received. Um, the stocks dropped from around two dollars forty to eighty three cents, which is is a massive, massive reaction. Um, one would have to think uh, it's a little over done. It was not that long ago that they were raising money from institutions at $3.05 in September. So they look pretty silly, don't they? I would suggest so. Henry, if every, if a lot of uh, company directors carried on the way certain people are in a certain city, the Canberra Comedy Festival lingers on with our <laughs> budget mess. What's going on down there? Oh, well, you know, it's, it's the budget was uh, announced in May, and here we are knocking on the door of November, and still most of it hasn't got through. You would think if you can't negotiate it in the six months since May, then maybe you're on the wrong track, and maybe you should rethink your whole budget. But, um, you know, it, it, it's, it's causing a lot of uncertainty, it not is. only in the community, but in the business community, more importantly. Um, and it's also weighing consumer sentiment, and, you know, it's not doing us any good. It's unedifying, let's say, to, to see, uh, see the Palmer United Party um, holding the country to, uh, to ransom with some of these budget measures. Mm. Uh, let's look at some good news. Ardent Leisure, a little uh, stock, I believe. It's the theme park stock, and it's also uh, situated in the USA. Its shares have uh, not skyrocketed, but they've been slowly climbing and climbing and climbing. That was Macquarie Leisure once upon a time, wasn't it? It was indeed. 
believe they have been slowly climbing and climbing. They did spike very recently up towards 347, but unfortunately today the numbers have come out and, and reality has bitten, um, and they're back to 316. So they've had a, an 8% fall today after the numbers. But, yeah, they, they own things like Dalbora, um, some of the big theme parks in uh, in Queensland, um, and some uh, some health and fitness clubs as well. So they do pretty well, but the shares have been on a, a very steady rise since uh, the beginning of this year from about two bucks. They got up to three and a half dollars, but now they're sort of back down to that 316 level. Mm. Still a solid performance. Henry, we're not going to jump pretty in good. our ledge yet today. We're going to go straight into the overseas because I know you have uh, have some important business to attend to. Japanese. The Japanese, yeah. they're spending pretty well, and I believe retail sales are up most in the last four months, and uh, it appears that... Uh, this could be big for the Japanese. Well, the Japanese economy has sort of been... They, uh, they put in a sales tax increase, which was uh, a bit like our GST going up, um, and it did stuff the economy up short-term, and it's, but it seems to have sort of come through it now, finally. They're still pumping an awful lot of stimulus into the economy, and, of course, they've got zero interest rates and have done forever and will do forever more. Um, they've also got zero in immigration, which doesn't really help as their, uh, their country gets older and older. So I think they've got some, some big problems building up, but certainly from the time... For the time being, they have got a little bit of um, little bit of sunshine on the horizon. It's good to hear the word inquiry again. I believe the Bank of England has launched nine inquiries into the financial system aimed at increasing, wait for it, confidence and integrity. They're still at it. Integrity. They're still at it, I'm afraid, Barry. I mean, they've had a, a number of scandals in the UK in terms of the financial system. We had the uh, the famous LIBOR where they were fixing the interbank dealing rate. Um, they've also had some... Uh, F- some foreign exchange fixing uh, allegations, some gold fixing allegations, um, you name it, they've fixed it, basically. They are Mr. Fix-It. Um, so that the Bank of England has launched an inquiry into the financial system, and as they said, uh, as they say on all the best uh, legal programs, you should never ask a question unless you actually know the answer. So I'm sure they'll come up with answers that they, they know, and they will make sure that the inquiry justifies the integrity and, and, uh, and, and honesty of the financial system there. Uh, it's a comedy feeling. Rumours, rumours. Rumours, rumours. The rumours about the London Metal Exchange that a buyer has gobbled up 90% of the stockpiles of commodities. How? Uh, well, just by pretty much buying. There was a rumour this week that uh, uh, a trading firm called Red Kite Group had uh, bought up to 90% of the, uh, of the LME uh, warehouse uh, stockpiles of copper. Um, now, I guess this week we've seen the death of one of the Bunker Hunt boys who uh, famously back in the 80s tried to corner mm. the silver market. Remember that, yeah. um, Of course, unfortunately, the uh, the trading uh, exchanges then changed the rules on uh, on them and made it illegal for anybody to actually own more than a certain percentage of a commodity. Um, and as a result, the boys had to dump their silver. And of course, the, mm. they were the only buyers in the market. And unfortunately, they went pretty much bankrupt on the back of it. So, Billionaires um, to nothing. Yes, riches to rags. Henry, I know you've got to go, but when you mention the word il- illegal, you know what an illegal is? No, Bass, tell a me. A sick bird. <laughs> anyway, look, you have uh, a good time wherever you're going, and we hope I to will. see you next week. Thank you, Barry. Cheers. Thank you, Henry. Bye. Our market snapshot on 2NURFM's finance on a Thursday uh, at half past 12. We do it for our sponsor, Pritchard & Partners.
A lovely sunny afternoon. You just might be thinking about getting out on the waters. Coastal waters forecast is for nor'easterly winds at 15 to 20 knots, getting up to 25 knots in the evening. Sea should be building up to two metres this afternoon and the swell round about one and a half metres. We've got a high tide. Oh, not too far off. A quarter to two this afternoon, 1.7 metres. That's getting up in height. And the sun's going down at 17 past seven. At the moment, along the coast, we have uh, easterly winds at seven knots and 24 degrees on the thermometer. It's about two or three or four degrees warmer up the valley. To NURFM, it's 27 to one. And here's the king. A little surrendering from Elvis Presley. On to NURFM, it's 26 to 12. This is Thursday Finance, and today, Barry Preston, we've had somebody ringing in and telling us that we've broken the 140 barrier. Yeah, somewhere at the Sandgate area, I think, $1.39. Excellent. And I believe they said it's cheaper at night. Wow, well, fantastic. Okay, so you can keep your eyes open and look around. Absolutely. Well, we're very happy today to have Mandy, who is a financial information services officer with Centrelink, and she's been that for some 12 and a half years of her 20 years duties with Centrelink, and she's at the Walls End office and provides a visiting service to three other Newcastle areas. And Mandy, what we're going to look at today is <clears throat> currently with superannuation, anyone that has superannuation and receives a Centrelink pension may need to look at the new rules that are coming in on the 1st of January. Now, it's first of all advisable to get the facts, and we'll talk about that later, but what are they, these new rules, from the 1st of January? What's it all about? Okay, Barry. Well, what's um, happening from the 1st of January is the way that Centrelink assess account-based income streams is changing. But it's not as simple as that mm. because the change is for 
people moving on to a Centrelink payment for the first time on or after mm. the 1st of January, or where a person already on a Centrelink payment is setting up a new account-based income stream on or after the 1st of January. You mentioned an account-based income stream. So, so is that superannuation? What is an account-based income stream? Yeah, an account-based income stream, it's basically a retirement income product. So when a person has money in ordinary superannuation, when they retire, they're often looking at utilising that money to provide an income. So a very common um, investment that's used would be an account-based income stream. It's known by a number of different names. A lot of people would refer to them as an allocated pension or an account-based pension. Fair enough. Now... So how well, okay, how does Centrelink assess that now? Let's say we got an account-based pension or an allocated pension, whatever you want to call it. How does Centrelink assess that now? So under the current rules, the assessment of these products is based on a formula. Now, this formula... It effectively has a a portion of the income is exempt from assessment. So the formula basically works by looking at the original purchase price the person um, bought the product for, whether or not they've made any lump sum withdrawals from that product apart from the regular pension payments. And we also look at the term of the product. Now, the term of the product is really, it's the life expectancy factor that we use. So looking at either the person's life expectancy or in some cases their partner's life expectancy. Okay, I'm going to try and pick these. Uh, Whether I get them right or not, let's hope I do. Lifetime income stream, that's a sort of annuity. Is there any other name now? Are they affected? No. So this change is is impacting these account-based income streams only. So people who have annuities, whether they be lifetime or fixed-term annuities, or even something called a market-linked income stream or a term-allocated pension, these products aren't impacted by the changes. So they don't have to worry about that whatsoever, but it's best to find out what they've got, make sure they know what they've got. Okay, now look, let's look at an account-based super income streams in more detail. If one has an account-based super income stream in place now and I have no reason to change it, what happens? I've heard of this word grandfathering. Yeah, so basically what happens with the change in the rules that are coming in from 1 January, people who are already in receipt of an income support payment from Centrelink and already have an account-based income stream in place, these products will continue to have the current treatment applied to them moving forward. So if the person doesn't have to change that product, these special income test rules that we currently use will continue on into the future as long as the person retains entitlement to that Centrelink payment or any Centrelink payment, if there's a transfer, immediate transfer from one payment to another, the grandfathering, the term is used, that grandfathering will apply moving forward. Mandy, we're going to take a little break. And when we come back, I want to start looking at changing if people have to change or certain things happen. So we'll have a look at that when we come back. Okay. This is Thursday Finance on 2NURFM 22.1 and let's dip into our community service file now for our sponsor Elders Real Estate, Elder Street Lambton. Talk to Steve or Sue for expert advice. Well, every Thursday, which would be today and round about this time, but you could think of it for times in advance, 
at the Newcastle Forum Club holds a men-only speaking club. It's at lunchtime from 1 till 2 at South Newcastle Leagues Club in Llewellyn Street, Merriweather. This club's been going, speaking club has been going for over 75 years and they'd love to have some new members come along and join them. Talking about interesting topics and you get training, great training in protocol and confidence as well. There's a small cost to attend the meeting that covers lunch as well. Bernard can tell you more about the Newcastle Forum Club on 0408 496 179. 0408 496 179 to NURFM. In touch with our community.
It's Max Merritt on to a new RFM where the time is 16 to 1. And we'll do a quick check of the weather for our sponsor, the Hunter Motor Group, for new Subaru, Honda, Volkswagen and Isuzu. You had plenty of sun this afternoon. We have 28 degrees at New Lambton. This is Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And uh, we are looking at Centrelink, Barry Preston. We certainly are. What's happening there? And we have Mandy Barton with us from uh, Centrelink Walls End. And we're looking at uh, <clears throat> people that may have an account-based income stream and they're can be some changes, or there will be some changes after the 1st of January. It may or may not affect you. Mandy, let's take a look at something. Now, I've got two, let's assume I've got two superannuation accounts, and I want to add them together after the 1st of January. Is that going to affect this? It will, Barry, yes. So with the the grandfathering rules we talked about previously, for the account-based pension to continue to have that special income test treatment, it needs to stay as it is. So if a person were to try and merge two account-based pensions together through a rolling over type strategy, the new account-based pension would no longer have the grandfathering rules applied and that new one would be assessed under deeming rules. We'll have a look at those deeming rules in a moment because they're important, I know. Now, I have an income stream account now and I also I'm still working so I've had to have an accumulation superannuation fund and I'm going to retire in or next sometime next year is this and I'm going to convert it into a pension is that going to be affected Okay, so depending on how you structure this, if you have an account-based pension under the current rules and you are already receiving a Centrelink payment, that account-based pension will continue to have the special income test treatment. The accumulation superannuation, because if you're working past pension age, that would already be assessed under deeming rules. If you were to start a second account-based pension after January next year, you would be in the position of having one account-based pension under the grandfathering rules and the new one under the deeming rules. But if you did want to again try and merge those two amounts through a rollover type strategy, the new product started next year would be under the new deeming rules. Mm, okay, well, look, let's look at it from another point of view. I have a pension, uh, an income-based uh, income stream or pension, and I'm getting a Centrelink pension. Now, I'm not working, but my partner is, and she or he 
they're going to retire next year and turn their superannuation into an income-based stream. How do we go now? Okay, so your again, your income stream yes. under the grandfathering rule. So as long as you keep a continued entitlement to payment, the person's income stream is grandfathered under those special rules. Their partner who has not yet reached pension age, that when they retire next year, assuming they claim a pension at that time, because they haven't been on a payment prior to the end of 2014, their income stream would be assessed under the new rules. Now, it's going to get a little bit, a little bit complicated. It, it sounds like it, and this is where we're going to get to the end and work out uh, what people can do to find out about it. Now, what are the new rules as far as deeming? It's something to do with deeming, is it? Yeah, basically what's going to happen is these account-based income streams that are set up on or after the 1st of January 2015 or where the person goes on to a Centrelink payment on or after the 1st of January 2015 will be assessed under deeming rules. So what these are, deeming is an assumed rate of return. So the government set a deeming rate and all pensioners and income support payment um, recipients are assessed in the same way. So basically all financial investments are added together so it will include savings, shares, these account-based income streams from January, and we will add it all together. And then dependent upon whether a person is single or partnered, the deeming is applied. And I say based on whether they're single or partnered because different thresholds apply to deeming based <laughs> on whether a person is single or partnered. It's interesting. So, look, <clears throat> the most important thing, and I, I know you, you'll be saying this, the super change may be important to a lot of people retiring or think of retiring or they've already got an income-based stream. It is better to get the facts now. So what do they do? Is there something on the website and what is the website and how do they find this? There is, Barry. There's lots of information on the Human Services website, so just www.humanservices.gov.au. And the easiest way to find it on there, I think, is just to pop in the search box in the top right-hand side, changes, deeming changes, basically, and, and that will bring up some fact sheets in relation to these changes. Or if people are concerned and they can't follow that sort of thing, they should go to their Centrelink office or phone their Centrelink office, make an appointment. Just don't stroll in off the street. Make an appointment. Is that correct? Well, to speak to a financial information service officer, um, the best point of contact initially is to contact 132300. That's the retirement helpline, but a person can then ask to speak to a financial information service officer. And in most cases, especially with current customers, we'll be able to give them the information they need over the phone. And certainly, if it's a little bit more complicated, an appointment can be arranged at their local office. But there's nothing to lose sleep over. It's quite simple once you know the facts. Is that correct? Exactly. And it, it, it's about knowing the facts and understanding them relevant to your own situation because it is something that's going to be different for everyone, basically. So don't listen to your neighbour, don't listen to your friends. Get the facts. Absolutely. Mandy, on behalf of all our friends and listeners at 2NURFM, thank you very much indeed. Keep safe. Thank you. Bye. And this is Thursday Finance um, on 2NURFM. It's nine minutes to one.
Ray Brown and the Whispers. And to NURFM, it is 6 to 1. We've got news coming your way at 1. But this is Thursday Finance for our sponsor, Pritchard and Partners. And Barry Preston, it seems a lot of listed companies are coming out with, with uh, all sorts of information all leading up to annual reports. It's the annual report season. Yes, it's the end of the year, the annual financial year at the 30th of June. <clears throat> and now they do their annual reports. Now, usually the company will send a notice of an annual general meeting. I think that's got to be 28 days or 30 days before the meeting and that will give the time, the place uh, with the business to be discussed at the meeting, talk about financial statements, election of directors, re-election of directors, auditor appointments and of course what the directors are going to be paid. Now, Stephen, this is a most important time for shareholders. This is where they can make a difference, do you think? Oh, definitely. Um, annual re- shareholders shouldn't just throw the annual reports in the bin and particularly the proxy forms. They're, they're important documents. Now, if you can't get along to the annual general meeting, you can still have your say. Um, there's a proxy form that comes. Um, lots of people um, choose to um, throw those in the bin, but you should really think about it. You know, The proxy form contains such things as um, voting for the remuneration report, voting for directors and um, general business. Um, shareholders um, should think about who they want to run the company and vote for the, and vote for those directors. One of the things we always look at personally when, when we're deciding which directors to vote for, have the directors got a meaningful shareholding in the company? Um, it's our view that if the directors don't have a meaningful shareholding in the company, you have to question why you want them to represent your interests because they're not really aligned with the shareholders' interests if they don't have a, some kind of shareholding in the company. And there are a number of professional directors whose names keep going around that don't have shareholdings in companies they're on the board of. Sounds like a lot of protesters in these meetings that they get to. Anyway, that's another no, street question. No, it's not No, no, I know, I realise that. But, okay, now, I'm not happy with what's been happening with the company during the year. Can I, as a shareholder, and I've got to prove I, have, I do whole shares, can I stand up and ask the directors questions? Yes. Yeah. Without notice? Yes, you can go along to the annual general meeting and you are entitled to ask questions. And what's more, the company has a statutory obligation to allow you to ask questions and to give reasonable time for all shareholders to ask questions. I mean, there was one case in the 1990s when the Westpac AGM went on for two days because the shareholders continued to ask. <laughs> yeah, no, you can laugh, Barry, but, you know, no, no. The, the, the Westpac had a lot of problems and the shareholders are the ultimate owners and if they want to ask the questions, they're entitled to ask the questions. So don't throw your proxy form in the, in the, in the bin. Take notice of it and endeavour to get along to that And I'd endeavour to get along to at least one annual general meeting to see uh, to see uh, what happens at them. Thank you very much. And this is Thursday Finance for today and uh, coming up in, well, about three minutes' time, we'll have news for you at one o'clock. After that, Julian Campbell will be along with Business, the Law and You to NURFM.